sort of a brag on you because I was going to do this part to say to everybody, you know, Christmas in the round is only Christmas in the round if we get all around. But you guys figured it out. We got somebody in every section. So that's fantastic. Uh, it's going to be an amazing, amazing next four weeks. Uh, we do want to encourage you to start really engaging heavily over the next couple of weeks leading up to uh, Christmas Eve especially and inviting people and we've got invite cards and bumper stickers still out on the table that are great ways just to give them to somebody and say hey uh, we'd love to have you join us for something special uh, that's going on at our church uh, we know that this weekend has been a weekend that's been somewhat filled with tragedy um, and and our hearts are broken. We all know that. Jason's going to talk to you a little bit about that uh, this morning. Uh, but we know that the best thing that we can do is to praise a God who saves and takes bad situations and turns them into amazing situations, takes graves and turns them into gardens. And so we're going to worship this morning. Uh, right now in this season of Ethan being gone, and as we continue our search, we are thrilled to have some of our volunteers have stepped up to lead. And this morning, would you uh, give a big welcome to Christian Rainey, who is going to be our worship leader this morning. And stand.
something pre-rehearsed or recorded for communion is you allow the spirit to lead and like most of all of you my heart hurts this morning I started watching and I'm late on trending uh, Yellowstone uh, yesterday I had a four-hour break between runs and you really can't do a whole lot but you got to do something so I literally sat there and folded laundry and caught up on Yellowstone and if you watch the show it really is This family going through these storms. And after each storm, it always comes back to family. And I'm a firm believer, if you call the state of Kentucky home, our family's hurting. I looked at our DNA this morning. We're worshiping and we're going to study. But then we have serve, give, and share. And we're in the middle of a series about generosity. There's multiple ways to give of money. And some people will say, hey, we can fall back and we can pray like that's the last option. That's the first option. The most powerful thing we can do. But after we leave this building today, and literally this is just a building, what is the church going to do? How are we going to respond? Jesus was asked, Jesus, hey, your mom, your brother's They need to talk to you. He was in the middle of a crowd of other people that quote-unquote weren't family. And Jesus said, who's my family? These brothers, these sisters, these people around me who were hurting. This is my family. I think this is a critical point for the people of the church. The body of the church. Those of us who are running desperately to hold the hand of Jesus as a follower to be everything he wanted us to be. Who's your brothers? Who's your sisters? If we are being and trying to pursue the image of Christ through worship, through studying, through serving and giving and sharing, 
I can't think of a more pivotal time in our state, the bluegrass state, than to illustrate that. I know what you're thinking. I'm thinking the same thing. I'm a dad of two. Tomorrow I've got to go to work. What can I do? Do you have a chainsaw? Do you have extra blankets? Does that person really need that gift this year? Do you have a fuel tank that's full and a truck or a 4x4 or an SUV or someone else that you know? I mean, they just need that, that spark. Get your butt down there and help them. And that's all they need to be told. Jesus, your mom, your brothers, man, they want to talk to you. Our brothers and sisters need to talk to us. Our brothers and sisters need us more than ever. And the church could have the best, the best opportunity in the next few days, weeks, months, and even years to be the hands and feet. So what we do right now is not in vain. Do this in remembrance of me. It's way beyond a piece of bread. And way beyond a piece or, excuse me, a a glass of juice or a cup of juice. That body wasn't broken just for us to be here every single Sunday. That body was broken for times like now. Where we're just brothers and we're sisters. But we're also the body of Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, this isn't a TV show that we click into every single week and we watch a storm come through of different obstacles and we see how this family just sticks through it all together because that's what families do. No, this is real life and there was a real storm and now we are being asked to be a real family, to be a real example of the person we proclaim walked on water, healed the blind, and rose from the grave. Do this in remembrance of me. It goes well beyond a table, well beyond a cracker and a cup of juice. It is a sacrifice that you gave so we could live out these moments, these opportunities to share your love that you gave to us in our storms. I ask all these things that God us to lead us and direct us. Amen.
this is actually the city where we work and where we live and where we do ministry. Yeah, so we just wanted to take the opportunity to, to say thank you to each and every one of you all just for your continued encouragement, for your prayers, and for your financial support. It really is a blessing to be an extension of Shelby Christian Church here in Italy. Um, and we're just thanking you guys for that as we continue to partner and we continue to work together to fulfill the, the Great Commission, to go and make disciples of all nations, and to baptize them in the, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to obey everything that He's commanded us. So thank you guys just for how you continue to come alongside us and encourage us. And it really is a blessing to know that each day is an opportunity to get out here in this community to, um, to share the gospel with Italians, young and old, and also for the immigrants who come here from all over the world. So thank you guys. Uh, we also wanted to wish you guys a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, we're so grateful for our Shelby Christian Church family and that we also have a reason to celebrate Christmas, which is the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And we are praying for you all. We are praying for the church there. And we're hoping and that you guys have a very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you, guys. and Ashley Derry, and they are in Ancona, Italy, and they are one of our Together Partners. And they, if you, they, they were here uh, several years ago. We became really good friends with them, and they are just a dear couple uh, in Italy. They love the Lord. Uh, they're just, they're genuine. Their heart for the Lord is, is obvious. And so uh, that, that's one of our Together Partners. I wanted you guys to see them and know about them, be praying for them uh, as we continue to talk about uh, Together this month and, and prepare for our um, offering at the end of the month on December 24th as we talk about what it looks like to partner with people all over the world uh, for Jesus. Well, thanks for being here this morning. This is going to be, I'm just going to kind of do this the whole time, okay, so that I can engage everybody and so that half of you don't have to look at my, the, the back of my fat head, okay? Uh, so uh, Merry Christmas. Um, you know, if you have a small child in your life right now, a grandchild, a, a child, a niece, a nephew, uh, you know what the next, what, 12 days, 13 days is going to be like. Every day, it's, what is the question? Is it Christmas yet? Is it Christmas yet? Is it time? Is it Christmas Eve? Is it time to go to bed and get up and Christmas morning, right? And do you guys remember? Can you remember? I remember our kids, our boys are getting a little bit older now. Melinda and I were talking about it. It's kind of sad, you know, once they kind of get out of that, like, and I was looking at some pictures the other day of when they were really little and Christmas things that kind of just pop up on your phone and you're like, oh yeah. And it just seems like, and everybody says it, you've said it and you've thought it, it just happens in a blink of an eye, right? But we can remember, you can think back and you have kids and grandkids and little little ones that you can just see in their eyes like that anticipation. But one of the things I remember as as a little kid was the the waiting was the hardest part, wasn't it? It was like the the month of December seems like it lasts a year, doesn't it? It's like is this you're like is it ever going to get here, right? And then it finally happens. It finally arrives and it's that magical time for for little ones. And I have to admit to you and you guys have experienced this as well. As you as you go through life and you get a little bit older, Christmas it changes. The the memories you have as a little one and then as you as you get a little bit older, they change and you enjoy different things and you notice different things and you remember different things. And, and the thing as a as a pastor that I've noticed probably just, you know, in the last really as an adult, once you kind of get out of like 
Oh yeah, Christmas is, is so much more than, than these things that we talk about and, and celebrate and enjoy. But for us as, as Christians and as a church, there's this meaning to it, right? We know what it is. We know what it's about. But it seems like, and I think you would agree with me, that you can now, uh, today, you can go through a whole Christmas season. And, and if you're, if you're, if you're not paying attention, or if you are paying attention, you, you won't hear the real, the real meaning for all of this. You, you, you can go through a whole season and people will attach all kinds of things. They'll say, well, Christmas is about family and Christmas is about getting together and Christmas is about the lights and it's about just the fellowship and it's about the gifts and it's about this and that and, and whatever. And all those things are fine. But I wonder if on some level, if we're not real careful, we, we don't necessarily do this as the church. But, but you can sense it. You can see it. Our world loses perspective on what this really is all about. And, and, I, and I, I fight back. Here's what I have to just confess to you this morning. I, I fight back uh, with this a little bit of, of anger and frustration when I hear people describe Christmas. And, oh, it's about all these other things. And I'm like, no, you idiot. It's not. It's about Jesus. And it's about who he is and what he's done. And how important that is for us and for the world. And it's really one of those like moments in history where all the world, they, they, if they don't understand it, can't define it, at least they're focused for a day or two or for a season or for a couple of weeks. They're focused on Christmas. For us, I think we need to be reminded this morning that the weight the anticipation of what a day and a season like this means for us as the church and, and Christians is so powerful. And the message that, that we get to convey with the world over the next few weeks is powerful. So I would encourage all of you in your conversations, in your prayers, in, in the time that you have with family and friends, maybe a prayer that you get asked to, to pray or, or a conversation that you have, that we would just continually remind people about what this really is all about and not lose sight of the importance of this season. Uh, like I said, the, for, for those kids, waiting is the hardest, hardest time. And, and I was thinking this week and imagining a group of people who had to wait for a long time, who had to wait for years, 10, 20, 30, 100, 200, 300. 400 years. Do you know that if you open up the Bible, and, and for a lot of you guys, when you open up your Bible, there will be a, um, for, in my Bible, for example, there's this one white piece of paper that's kind of the divider, right? And it divides the Old Testament and the New Testament. The, the, the Old Testament, uh, the, the last prophet Malachi is there in the Old Testament and the gospel of Matthew is next. But, but what a lot of people may miss and what we may not understand is that this one simple blank sheet of paper in our Bibles, do you realize that that represents 400 years of silence? 400 years where God did not speak. 400 years of darkness and despair. And you can almost hear in your, in your mind when you think about that, that the Israelite people, God's 
people that he had chosen, that he was walking with, that he had spoken to them through, through prophets and, and, and different people in the Old, the Old Testament, judges. And he was working through, through men and women and he was speaking and doing things. And then there just becomes this point in which he goes silent. And it lasts for 400 years. And the people of Israel are distraught. They're, they're spread from, from nation to nation. They're conquered. They've, they're enslaved. They're, they're removed from their land. They're pushed out. They're, they're taken into other cultures and their, their, their culture and their, their, their religion is tried to, they try to strip it away from them and take it away from them. And so for 400 years, these people are oppressed and they're beaten down. And you can imagine, you can imagine the darkness that they felt as a people. Where, where is he? Where did God go? Why isn't he talking to us anymore? Did he leave us? Has he forsaken us? Has he forgotten us? Is he dead? Did he even exist to begin with? You you can imagine generation after generation after generation, 400 years of silence. And as each generation passed, I'm sure the doubts and the anger and the silence became deafening for the Israelite people. It was a dark, desperate place for them in this world. God's people. And it seems like he'd forsaken them. It it seems like he'd walked away. Maybe he was asleep. Who who knows, they would say. And then, right? We know that the the story doesn't end there, thankfully. At, At just the right moment. Not too soon, not too late, but for God in just the right moment, things would start to change and a light would burst through the darkness. And so this morning, here's what I want to do for the next couple of minutes that we have together. In, in the New Testament, there are uh, several examples, several appearances uh, by angels. You can't really tell the Christmas story without talking about angels, right? And so I want us this morning to look at three specific appearances by angels in the New Testament. And here's what you need to understand when the angel Gabriel shows up. When he shows up 400 years after God had, had moved, after God had spoken, after God had done anything it seemed. 400 years after that, he shows up in the New Testament. We're going to look at a, a passage in Luke and then we're going to look at one in Matthew. And, and this angel of the Lord shows up, uh, the same angel. And here's what you need to understand about angels. Angels are not um, doing, when you look at scripture, you'll understand that the angels aren't, um, when, when a baby dies, people have, uh, you may have heard this before, when an angel, a baby dies, sometimes people will well-meaningly say, oh, well, now they're an angel in heaven. That's not how, it, that's not how this works, okay? Angels aren't, um, aren't, aren't humans. They were never humans. They're different than us. God created angels for a very specific thing. They're, they're, uh, they, don't, they don't die. They're eternal. And, and they're there from the very beginning. You read, you read scripture, they're there. That They watch God do, do it all. They, they have a front row seat in heaven, the Bible says, for everything God's ever done. And so they have a perspective that we don't have. 
Okay, and so there's this angel Gabriel that God uses in the Old Testament, uses in the New Testament. In fact, Gabriel's the same guy that God sent to Daniel like 500 years earlier. So this is the same guy that shows up here in the stories that we're going to read this morning. And this first story that we're going to read is about a guy named Zechariah. He had a wife named Elizabeth. Zechariah was a priest. In, in the Old Testament, okay? He was an Israelite priest. He was one of 300 in his family of priests. The, the, the Israelite people were broken up into families and tribes. And so there were 300 in his, his family. And then there was 24 divisions of priests in the Jewish, in their Jewish kind of hierarchy, okay? And so every two weeks out of the year, they would take a, a division of those priests and they would go for two weeks out of the year, that division would go and serve at the temple in Jerusalem, okay? And so this was a, an incredible honor that this small group of priests would then go to the temple in Jerusalem for two weeks. They would be there on site at the temple and they would serve there at the temple. There were things that the, the priests would get to do from time to time. One of the, one of the most prestigious, one of the, the best things that a, a priest could be selected to do would be to go into the Holy of Holies, into the inner part of the temple to light incense at the altar before the Lord. Okay. And so Zechariah is the man, one of the priests that gets selected to do this. And that's where we're going to pick up our story. It's going to be on the screen here. I want you guys to read this with him. We're going to read about Zachariah's story. It's going to be on the big screen. And then for you guys, it's going to be on the screen on this other wall. Okay. Here's what it says in Luke chapter one, verses 11 through 15. We're going to read uh, several of these uh, slides this morning. Here's what it says. While Zachariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Standing to the right of the incense altar, and Zacharias says, was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. For you will have uh, great joy and gladness, and many, many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord, their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how, how can I be sure that this is going to happen? I'm an old man now. My wife is also well along in years. And then the angel said, I am Gabriel and I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you don't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until a child is born for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Here you have God on the scene showing up in this temple. Like I said, 400 years later and what he is proclaiming, what he is sharing with Zachariah is that, that you Zachariah and your wife, Elizabeth, you're going to have a part in this plan. Your son, John, who we know is John the Baptist, is going to come. He's going to be born. And he's going to be the one that will prepare the way 
for Jesus. A very important role that this couple had in this whole story, in this whole Christmas story. About what's interesting about the word of the name Zechariah is this. His name, you know this? His name actually translate is, it means this. The Lord has remembered. It, it's like God looked at the people 400 years later and said, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't forsaken you. I've got a plan. And now it's going to be set into motion. And that's what we see play out here in the very early chapters of the gospel. What, what I also find interesting about Zechariah's life and about this scene is that the Lord causes him, because of his doubts and because of his, his questioning, how, how, how's this gonna happen? I, he, he says, I'm old. He doesn't say, he didn't call, he says, my wife is up in years too, right? He doesn't call her old. I guess he's smarter than that, right? But he says, we're old. We're, we're, we're old. We can't. She, she, she was never able to have children. This isn't possible. We weren't able to have children. Now we're old. This isn't going to happen for us. And so he's standing there. Imagine this scene. Like he's, he's at first like just, just awestruck by this angel, Gabriel, standing there. And then he starts to argue like, How, what? This can't be true. This can't happen. There's no way that this can happen for us. And, and Gabriel says, well, because of your, your doubts, because of your unfaithfulness, we're just going to zip your mouth up. And for the next nine months, Zechariah can't say a word. He's mute. Can't talk. Can't say a thing. And, and I got to thinking this week about, about our old, old guy, Zach, right? Like, what, for the next nine months, what was life like for that priest who was used to talking? Like, that's what he did. He talked, and he, he spoke, and he led people. And he didn't get to do that for, for the, the duration of, of Elizabeth's pregnancy. You know, maybe it was in those nine months where things got a lot quieter. For Zachariah, <laughs> you know, maybe he in those nine months, he realized that I probably just need to be quiet. I, I probably need to, to find a quiet place. I, I probably need to just be still and keep my mouth shut. And, and I got to thinking about us and what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks, Right. It gets really busy and you run in 12 different directions. This last week, I'm sure a lot of people will work. But then those, you know, those last couple of weeks of, of the year, it's people start to do all kinds of, of things with family and friends. And so you, you're running in, in 25 different directions over the next two or three weeks, right? But I wonder, for us, I wonder if there's going to be an opportunity. I wonder if there's a, a place for us over the next couple of weeks To just stop and to be still and to listen to the Lord, to pray to the Lord, to say, you know, in the middle of all the hustle and the bustle, whatever that word means, and in the middle of all of that, right, that goes on and the noise and the Christmas music and all the stuff, like it's, it's all wonderful and warm and festive and fun. But I wonder, I wonder for us. If it wouldn't be appropriate, sometime over the next couple of weeks, if we would just 
regularly stop and be still and allow God to move in our hearts and our minds in a way this Christmas season that maybe if we're not careful, we can neglect and we can lose sight of because we get so distracted with the rest of the world. And so for Gabriel, he was quiet before the Lord. He was still before the Lord. And I'm sure he had a lot of things to think about in those months leading up to his wife's pregnancy when John would arise on the scene. Appearance number two. This appearance is uh, Gabriel visiting Mary. It's in Luke 1, 26 through 38. Let's read it. says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Gabriel appears. Appearance here in God's word was a surprise to Mary. But this is all part of of God's plan that was set into place. Do you realize that. 400 years had passed, right? But then also another 400 years before that, 800 years before the angel Gabriel appears to Mary and says, Hey, you, this young girl who's a virgin, you're going to have a son and it's going to be the son of God. What a, what a wacky, crazy, incredible, unbelievable thing. To happen, right? We, we have heard it. We've heard it so many times now. We've, we've thought about it. We've read it. It's like, oh yeah, we heard. But when you stop, when you stop and think about that, like that that's the plan, like you're gonna, you're, this is what you're gonna do. You're gonna use this young girl, probably not much more than, than an early teenager, even at that, right? Just young girl. And, and, and you're gonna use her, this simple peasant girl from this small town. To do something incredible. What a, what a plan. That's not how you and I probably would have come up with this plan for God to enter into the world. But that was, 
God's plan. In fact, it was God's plan from long ago because I want you to look at this passage of scripture in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. You've heard parts of this before as well. And I want you to understand the prophet Isaiah, when he said these words, they were 800 years. 800 years before they would be fulfilled. Look at what he says. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Here's your sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When people heard that in Isaiah's day, I'm sure some people actually heard him say that the first time he said that when he was sitting there going, this is, this is what's going to happen. The Lord has shown me. This is the revelation from the Lord. He's the pro, he's a prophet of God. He's sharing this with the people. I'm sure when they, when they heard that, they're like, what is that crazy old man talking about? A, a virgin? This is going to be a sign and he's going to give birth. That's impossible, Isaiah. And so for 800 years, they'd heard this, they'd seen this, it'd been passed down. This was a prophecy from old. And after a a hundred years, a couple hundred years, 300 years, 400 years, okay, well, this is not going to happen. And it took 800 years for that prophecy to be fulfilled. God, why did you take so long? Why did it take so long for this to happen? We would have wanted it to come sooner. God, let's speed this process up. But in God's infinite wisdom and understanding, it was the perfect time. For him, I love that Mary understands immediately that this is the Lord's plan. And she says, all right, God, if this is what you have for me, then here I am. I'm your servant. This faithful young girl who's being told something that is unbelievable and on all accounts. But she sets all of that aside and she just simply says, yes. She says, yes, here I am. I am your servant. Let's go. This is a, this is going to be a, a rocky road. This is going to cause a lot of, this is, this is going to be a big deal. How am I going to explain this to my parents? Right? I'm, I'm betrothed to, to Joseph. And, 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 and like this, we were not, we're, we haven't been together. And like, we're not, we're, we're and like, how is this, how am I going to explain this? Right? A lot of questions in the community Mary had to answer. But she said, if this is the plan, let's go. And I think God looked at Mary, this young girl, and knew that she was the one simply because he knew her heart, knew that she would be faithful, and he knew she would say yes. He he knew that she was the one because she wouldn't have any doubts about who God was. And she would realize that because this angel Gabriel has come, like this powerful thing that's happening in her life, okay, this is from God. And that she wouldn't have any qualms about following God's plan. And I think you look at the life of, of Mary, and you see a young woman who simply said, yes. God, if this is your plan for my life, then yes. I'll go and I'll do whatever you need me to do, even if it's as crazy as this. And so I wonder for us, what is it? What is it in your life that that God's shared with you through his word, through your time alone with him, through the Holy Spirit working in your life, where you go, I think this is what God wants for me. 
I think this is where he wants me to go. I think this is where he, what he wants me to do. I think this is what he wants me to say. I think this is the person he wants me to, what he wants me to be. And how many times have you said yes? Let me encourage you this morning. As you spend that quiet time with the Lord over the next couple of weeks, whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is doing in, in your mind and in your heart, and if God's putting something in you and saying, hey, I think we need to do this. I think this is where we need to go. I think this is what we need to say. I think this is what we need to be a part of. I think this is the path. I think this is the place. Let me encourage you to not discount that, to, to not ignore that, to listen to that. I think God is looking for people that will say yes to his crazy plans for their life. And I don't know, but I bet there are some people in this room this morning that God's got something for you. And maybe he's had it for you for a while, but you just haven't said yes yet. Maybe it's time to say yes. Appearance number three. Third appearance, Gabriel visits Joseph in a dream. This is in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. Here's what it says. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David... The angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived of the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophets. Look, these are Isaiah's words, 800 years earlier, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as an angel of the Lord had commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin said, will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Remember, remember those words. Joseph would have heard that. And would have remembered that and would have remembered passed down from generation to generation to generation. Oh, these, these are the words. This is the prophecy. This is what we've been waiting for. Is this the plan? God, are you serious? Like, this is gonna, you're gonna use me? Just a guy from a hick town, right? Who's just a carpenter? Like, I'm just a regular, ordinary guy. And you're going to use me? And you're saying, Mary, me and Mary, we're the ones? This is the plan? Okay, if that's the plan, let's go. And if you think about Joseph in this scenario, in this situation, you have to understand what, what he's dealing with. Because when it's found out that his, the, his fiance 
the, the girl that he's, he's pledged to, that she's pledged to him, there would have been this period, this betrothal period, there would have been this endowment that would have been paid, there would have been this whole situation set up, and there would have been a, a period of about a, a year where, okay, Mary, you're going to marry Joseph. And so for a year, they would have known this, but they wouldn't have had much contact with one another at all, like in preparation for this, this union, this marriage. And so they're in the community there. Everyone knows, well, this is Mary, and she's going to be married to Joseph. And then she shows up one day, and she's pregnant. She's with child. Here's what Joseph has as options. This young guy looking at the situation going, all right, here are my two options. Option number one is I can make a big, big public scene of this whole situation. I, I can let everyone know that, hey, I, this is not my child. We have not been together. I have not broken any, any, any rules. Like we did, I didn't do this. This has nothing to do with me. He could have done that. He could have brought her before the community. She could have been disgraced. And, and because of this, Mary could have, she could have been stoned to death. She could have lost her life because of this situation. That, that was Joseph's option number one. Option number two for Joseph would have been to just quietly divorce her. To say, okay, I, I don't want you to get hurt. Uh, we're just going to say, like, we, we just decided to break up. And, and there are going to be all these questions. And there are going to be all these rumors. And everyone's going to talk. Well, you hear Joseph and Mary, and they're not going to get married. And Joseph, Mary's got, she's with child. And, like, Joseph is moving on with his life. And so, and all these questions and all these thoughts and all these rumors. That was scenario number two. Or scenario number three is like, okay, well, we, we I don't know what's going on here. But then as soon as this angel shows up. And Joseph realizes, oh, okay, God, plan, you know, C is in effect. We're going to do this. Like, this is what's going to happen. And, and Joseph can't go to everyone and explain to them, hey, an angel of the Lord, yeah, th- Mary's telling the truth. It's not, you know, this this baby is from the Lord. Yeah, right, Joseph. Yeah, right, Mary. They're, yeah, come on. Come up with a better story than that, right? And that's what they find themselves in the middle of. But here's a young couple who looks at this whole situation and they realize that if they'll just say yes, if they'll say yes to God's plan, you, you could have, you could think, you can imagine a scenario where Joseph would have been like, okay, I'm not going to do that. That, that's not for me. I'm, I'm going to walk away. And he could have derailed the whole thing right then and there. And then who knows what, what happens next, right? But I suspect that just as God looked at Mary's heart and knew she would say yes, he knew Joseph just as well. And he knew that this was a righteous man. Even in his young years, in, in, in this, this, this very young man, he, God knew that he would say yes. And that he would say yes and would not question the plan Especially after the angel shows up, but also be able to be someone who would be able to say, you know what? It doesn't matter what your opinion is or your opinion is. This is from the Lord and this is God's prophecy fulfilled from long ago. Right. And so as Joseph and Mary and Zechariah and Elizabeth in the first part of this Christmas story kind of step back and realize that this is all happening. This is this is it. This this is really Happening. This is real. These were real people in real situations with a real angel of the Lord who showed up. I don't know. I don't know why angels don't show up anymore. I wish they did. I think we would probably be in, in fear and awe and trembling. Like, I don't know. But like, they don't, we don't see that as much. We have God's 
word given to us, right? And so in the early days when these angels would show up, when God would use them in these miraculous ways to convey his message to his people, it was powerful. And I think about that. I thought about that all week, about God showing up in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the despair, in the middle of a world that is completely lost and off track. And, and, and here's the last thing that I want to show you from Isaiah. The same Isaiah, 800 years earlier, like we said. Here's what he said in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. He said this. The people who walk in darkness, they will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. I I don't know about you, but I sense that we are walking in a great darkness today. That, That there is a world of people who are stumbling around in the darkness. And God's promise to us and to them is that he will send a light. In fact, he has already sent the light, his son. And so for us, for you and for me. As Christians, as followers of Christ, our job, our responsibility, what we have been called to, right? When we read his word, what we understand our calling to be, our marching orders to be, is this light. This reflection of this light in this world through Jesus Christ. He has called us to be that in this world. And so my prayer for you, my prayer for our church, for our community, for for all of us as we gather together. Over the next couple of weeks, we will be reminded that in the middle of great despair, in the middle of darkness, in the middle of a world that seems like it's lost its mind, that there is a great light that has appeared. And his name is Jesus. And he is worthy. And he is holy. And he's been God's plan from the very beginning. In the Garden of Eden... When we walked away from God, when we broke his laws, when we sinned against him, God knew that there would need to be a redeemer. And from the very beginning, the wheels, the motion of this plan were kicked into place. And there in heaven, standing beside God, around those angels, the son of God who said, I'll go. God, if you, Father, if you need me to go, I'll go. And in the middle of the darkness, burst the light, a great light that would save all of us. That's the story. That's the hope. That's the message of Christmas. Let's not get distracted by the rest of this stuff. That is what's important. Would you guys pray with me? Lord God in heaven, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity that we have this morning to gather in this place. To worship you. To praise your name. God, we know that you are a great God. God, we know that you love us. And you've provided for us. God, we know that in the middle of the darkness, you're the light. That your son is the one that matters. And so, God, my prayer this morning is that for us, that we would just be reminded 
this Christmas season, we would be reminded of what it really means to celebrate your son. Why that's important. Because we can't save ourselves. We're hopeless. We're helpless without you, our Savior. God, your plan, your redeeming plan through your son is the only thing that matters. It's the only message that matters this Christmas season and any season. So help us to be a a people that keep that at the forefront of our lips and our hearts and our minds. Not just around the next few weeks, but every day in the way we live our lives so that others would know that there is a way out of the darkness. His name is Jesus. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to sing to kind of close out this morning. And if you've got a, a decision, you guys can go ahead and stand. If you've got a decision to make this morning, there's going to be some folks back in the decision room. Uh, they would love to just talk with you. If you have anything you want to pray about or, or just talk about, there's some folks that are going to be standing by over there. So uh, we'd love to invite you to walk over there as we're done this morning. Would you guys, uh, you guys sing with us? church thanks for worshiping with us this christmas season and then the second thing is uh, just to let you guys know we are um uh, uh, trying to work with partner with some folks um to try to figure out a response to what happened uh in western kentucky um friday night um so there's uh we're going to take up an offering today there's a 
buckets uh, for that. We have some uh, trying to get some connections with some churches down there that we want to make sure that we can get uh, funds to them. We'll use some of our together money as well. So if you'd like to give specifically uh, for that when you leave today, you can do that in the buckets. You can also do that online. We put it on our website, our Facebook page as well. And then there's an organization called IDES. It's a, a disaster relief uh, group that they organize volunteers. Uh, to go, they, they're trained and they're professionals, and they know exactly what to do in situations like this. Um, and so they're one of our, uh, someone I've actually worked with. We worked with them when we went down to Mississippi right after Hurricane Katrina. So it's a great organization. I, can, I would highly recommend them. If you are someone who wants to go, uh, I would I would caution you to kind of wait and, and kind of get organized and, and let's figure out what exactly is going on uh, before we just kind of rush in. So we're working uh, to get that all connected. You'll see, you'll see more about that this week on social media and email and those kind of things. If you have specific questions about those, please feel free to contact me. But, but like I said, I wanted you guys to know that we're working, trying to work with some other churches, some other organizations, some other partners to see what we can do to make a difference uh, down there because um, it, you know, it just breaks our heart and it, it, it could be us and one day it may be us. And, and so um, we, we just got to help. Uh, we got to help our, our brothers and sisters um, that, are, that are really hurting uh, here in Kentucky. Kentuckians, Kentuckians always help Kentuckians. And these are our people. And so we want to do whatever we can uh, to help those folks in Western Kentucky. Uh, Thank you guys uh, for being here. We love you. Let's go love this world. Love God, love people, and let's go change it. See you guys next weekend.